Hello, welcome back for season two of the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson, and I'm here to encourage you with tips and strategies to help you build stronger relationships, deepen your faith, and just get the most out of your life. Thank you for joining. Let's get started. Welcome back to the program. I'm so thankful to get to share this topic with you today. It's something that has shaped the way that I preach and teach here at Lindale. I think it's shaped the way that we've interacted with others and the results are evident. And I was just trying to figure a way to talk to you about how to empower individuals to growth. I will say that this topic in particular feels a little bit different than what we normally do in this program. If you look back over the past 80, 90 episodes, very rarely am I speaking to you saying, let me show you how you can change other people. Let me give you information that can directly affect the way you shape your children, your spouse, your fellow brothers and sisters. That's just not the way we approach things around here. Instead, as you probably well know, these episodes are about you changing you. They're about self-evaluation, looking at the stress in your life, trying to speak last in conversations, any number of episodes. And indirectly, it has an effect. If you just work on you and you figure out how to get better, the people around you begin to notice that, and usually they are attracted to that change. That's the ordinary way we do episodes, but today is a little bit different. We are directly considering things you can do, yes, for yourself, no doubt, but more to the point to get other people engaged. Now, what ultimately gave me some comfort to talk to you about that was the fact that I do it with this program every week. I mean, the more I thought about it, I research topics for myself. I try them, pray about them, see how they work in my life. If I notice some things that I'm proud to see, I sit down in front of this computer and I try to empower the individual to try it as well. And the individual, of course, is you. I am speaking to you saying, hey, this works for me. You go out on your own as one person devoted to growth and give it a shot. Well, in that vein, I guess what today's episode is about is how you can go out and do that for other people. And you need to. It's an important part of your work to try to get other people engaged, get them activated, Do you have a teenage son you can't get to do very much? Do you have a spouse that just doesn't seem to be getting with the program? Do you attend at a church where a fairly large percentage of the people aren't even very faithful to worship services, much less the teaching program or evangelism? We notice that stuff all over the place. And while being the change you want to see in the world is excellent, it's the right place to start, I think we also need to strategize how to get other people to get up and move. And that's what we're going to talk about. The best way to really zero in on what I'm saying today 
is to talk to you about what I think we've been getting wrong. This title and the things that we've been doing differently here at the Lindell Church that have been working are a result of having to change things that weren't working. Too often, when we want to see someone change, we think that we can legislate that change by creating groups or programs or public announcements, create some system in which they can get better that is built to help them get better and just put it out there generically and expect them to engage in it. And it doesn't work. Programs don't work to get individuals engaged from zero. They can help active people get encouraged, but they don't get people started. And I think that's the mistake that we make. It's kind of like that old line that the government cannot legislate morality. Morality has to happen on an individual level. When someone is challenged on a personal and individual level, and as individuals change through personal challenge, ultimately you can change a society. But by creating some legislation for more morality, all that happens is this. The people who are already moral, maybe they get a little more moral. But the people who are immoral will not buy into the program. And it's the same in the family and in the church. Over the next few minutes, I want to make this as crystal clear as possible by using the local church and the programs in the local church as an example. I'm doing this because this was where I noticed the most impact from a changed approach. I will give you three examples. Let's say at your local church, half of the people are heavily committed to worship. They come, quote, every time the doors are open. And about 50% of the people are kind of hit and miss. How do you handle that? What's the best way to empower the individuals who are not interested in worship to be more interested in worship? Well, here are some plans. Let's make public announcements. Let's have the eldership or church leaders get up and tell the whole church, we have legislated that we want people to come. How will that work? It won't. The people who come will come, and the people who won't don't change. Maybe we will get the preacher to preach on it. That'll fix it. I've been preaching for 20 years. And every time I preach on church attendance on Sunday morning, we have a smaller crowd on Sunday night. The faithful people who are already empowered, they come back. But those who have not been activated, I think they feel like they need to teach me a lesson or something. We can create groups that meet during the week to encourage one another to be at church. Guess who will show up? the people who already come to church. Those who don't will not attend the group. So how do you fix it? You don't do it through public announcement, programs, or legislation. You do it on a one-on-one basis. If we will replace all the pageantry of public proclamation with personal interaction, if one strong member at a church calls up someone who's not very activated in worship and invites them over for lunch on a Sunday afternoon, and just gets to know them, finds out about their story, their work schedules, their history, build a relationship, and then once you've built a relationship, challenge them 
on a one-on-one basis. Listen, I notice you haven't been there much on Sunday nights or Wednesdays. We've got some great classes. Will I see you this week? I guarantee you will see better results because you have empowered the individual on a one-on-one basis through a healthy relationship. It makes all the difference in the world. I would prefer to never preach on church attendance ever again. Just have members interact with other members, building connections, and trying to encourage one another. Here's a second one. Hospitality. We talk about brethren needing to get together outside of worship, spend time together, eat meals together. That's all very biblical, that they, day by day, house to house, were enjoying those meals and growing. And so maybe we say, Let's create a program for that. And we've done that here at Lindale. I'm not dogging it. I'm just saying it's not effective to get people started. But we did it. We created groups. We took all of the membership here and divided them into equally sized groups, assigned them all. We put active, faithful group leaders, wonderful families at the head, and we expected them to schedule monthly events at people's homes just to try to get everybody to open their home. We did that for two or three years, regular monthly meetings. Any guesses what happened? Well, the people who were already into that, they came. That one-third of each group came almost every time. Occasionally, a visitor would attend or a new member or something. But the two-thirds of the people who we were really targeting with this project almost did not respond at all. Now, let me just say, groups like that are good for encouraging people who are already active to grow in their activity. But if you're trying to empower an individual to get started, it just doesn't work. Well, let me just say this. In the last year or two, we still have the groups here at Lindale, but we don't organize meetings in the same kind of way, just occasionally. Instead, when someone asks me, hey, I'm in one of those groups and we haven't scheduled a meeting yet. I say, that's not what they're about anymore. Now they're about you looking at all of the individual families in your list and you reach out and try to do something hospitable for each one throughout 2020. In other words, reach out on an individual one-on-one level, invite them over and learn their story. We have found this to be incredible. And those to whom they've reached out have gotten stronger. New members and frequent visitors to whom they've reached out, had over to their home, have caught on and joined us more quickly and engaged more quickly and opened up their homes. It turns out you can't legislate hospitality. You can't create great programs with great leaders and just absorb everybody into it. You have to challenge them individually, through personal contact and enriched relationships. Let me give you a third example. And again, I'm using all of this because this is where the reality of this change hit home for me in the church local, but also I'm really hopeful that this will encourage you on how you can see great growth in your local church, not through public proclamations or sermons or groups, or organized legislation, but just going to them one-on-one, getting them what they need, and helping them through personal challenges. 
The third category is evangelism. For years, in most churches, the evangelism program looked like this. The preacher evangelizing. End of discussion. How evangelistic is our church? Well, our preacher baptized a bunch of people last year, and our elders kept cutting him a check, so I think we're doing pretty great. That is not an evangelistic church. The preacher could move tomorrow. Now what do you have? For years, I thought that evangelism was a part of my job. I don't believe that any longer. I think my job as a preacher, I'm a local church preacher. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2 says, I'm supposed to be teaching faithful people, get them empowered, individually ready to act, so that they can go out and teach other people. I only evangelize to the lost because I'm a Christian, not because I'm a local preacher. So we made a pretty big change here a few years back. We started teaching a booklet called The Gospel Message. It's a four-lesson booklet of evangelism, one-on-one kind of stuff. And we started teaching it to the entire congregation in a Bible class. I make sure that everybody in the room has a copy with their name on it, and they have it completely filled in. And evangelism changed for us. It wasn't, hey, look, we've got a program in place. We have a preacher in place. He knows what to do. All we want you guys to do is invite people to church. Well, that didn't happen all that often, and nobody was engaged. It's different now. Now, every adult in our congregation is evangelistically prepared personally. They know the material. They have copies in their car, and one of them is completely filled out with their handwriting. They are empowered on an individual level to do something. Ephesians 4 talks about this. I've quoted it before. The strength of a church, Ephesians 4, is not the pastors or the preacher or the teachers. It's what every single joint supplies. It's empowering individuals to do the work God wants them to do instead of doing the work for them. If this was a political podcast, I might talk to you about the difference between one party who wants big government and lots of programs and another party who I believe is convinced that if you let people keep their money and their power, they will individually do responsible things. At least that's the way it is in the church. To finish that story, I have to tell you that in the last six months, there have been more baptisms into Christ as the result of individual members studying with their friends and neighbors than what the local preacher has been able to do on his own. And yet I, as that local preacher, feel better about my work than I ever have. Because when it comes to being worshipful or hospitable or evangelistic, it happens by showing each person that they have the capacity to do that, the responsibility to do that, and no one else is going to do it for them. And once they understand their value, many of them, all of them who have good hearts, are ready to act. Let me say a couple of things here. First of all, I'm not against groups. We have monthly groups that are called KPI meetings, Kingdom Performance Indicator meetings, that talk about whether or not you did your Bible reading for the month, handed out five invites to church, or followed up with three visitors. We love that program. But that program is for people who are already active, who just want a bit of accountability to make sure they keep reaching their goals. It has done Zippo good of getting someone who isn't interested in that work for the Lord to become interested in that work for the Lord. 
groups, and meetings don't do that. The only way to do that would be for me to reach out to just one of those people, have them out to lunch, try to encourage them, ask them if they would go with me to a Bible study, get them engaged and empowered on a one-on-one level, and create some accountability on an eye-to-eye basis. As we get near the end of this, I hope that you see application for empowering the individual in churches, and I also hope that you see it's useful in other venues as well. In our family, we've kind of gotten away from chore programs, checklists, reward systems. All that can be fine, I guess. Big speeches, family State of the Union addresses, where mom is applauding it because she's already engaged, and the teenagers are just waiting for it to be over. No. Much, much better, mom and dad. And by the way, I know this is tougher. It takes more time. All of this does. Everything we've described today takes more work on the part of the strong one to help the weak get stronger. But what it really takes is dad just sitting down in the bedroom with his son, talking to him about individual expectations, getting clear on what comes next, and receiving a personal eye-to-eye commitment on what will change as we move forward. So let me end by talking directly to you. If you see people in your church, if you see people in your family, in your life, who just aren't doing their part, big speeches, policy changes, and sermons can definitely get them thinking but won't get them moving. You have to put out some individual effort. Connect with them, figure out what they're going through, find out what their goals are, help them see what we are about, and try to create some accountability between the two of you based on healthy and growing interpersonal relationships. I guess I'm just sharing this with you because I'm over the big speeches, the broad stroke passive-aggressive announcements, and I just want to zero in on Galatians 6. Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Bear one another's burdens, and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. That was not talking about church action, group action, or sermons. That was talking about one Christian going to another Christian to try to help them see what will improve their lives and their walk with God. So if you know someone who needs to get moving, don't wait for the perfect sermon or for the right group to form. They probably won't join it anyway. Instead, love them enough to go to them personally, one-on-one, with the noble goal of empowering the individual. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the program, please remember to share with your family and your friends. Also, you can go to excelstillmore.life to sign up for emails, order the three-month journals, or just catch up on old episodes. So until next time, let me leave you with this. Whatever you choose to do today in the name of the Lord Jesus, excel still more.